are listening to Pharmacy IT and Me, your informatics pharmacist podcast. And welcome to another episode of Pharmacy IT and Me. And as with every episode, we start this one saying that the intended audience is everybody. And today we'll be speaking with our special guest, Dr. Jing Wu, on what her role is in pharmacy uh, technology and informatics and, you know, application of technology. So uh, thank you so much for taking some time to be on the podcast, Jing. How are you doing today? Hi, Tony. Um, I'm doing really well. Uh, it's I'm located out in D.C. It's a gorgeous, sunny day. So can't complain about the great weather and everything that's going on in my life personally. Awesome, awesome. So, you know, just for our listeners to uh, kind of get a better understanding for you before we get started with everything else, is uh, can you kind of just tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. So, I'm a Wisconsin licensed pharmacist, originally from Wisconsin. I went to U, the University of Wisconsin, Madison. Um, that's my alma mater. And what spurred me to come to DC is my passion for public health policy and trying to solve a problem. Um, and so uh, what I ended up doing in, in DC is a specialty residency. It's now a fellowship called the American uh, Pharmacists Association Executive Residency in Association Management and Leadership. And the intent of this particular residency is to help a pharmacist understand the ins and out of associations, what it would mean to be a leader. And so a lot of pharmacists who graduate from this particular program move on to become managers or associate directors or directors right outside of their out of their experience. So that was what brought me to DC. And then currently I work for a geographic information systems company called Esri on their health and human services team as an account executive. And what that means is that I work with health organizations across the whole spectrum of health. So that includes both public health and private health. Private health would encompass hospitals, health systems, and health plans and other types of organizations. And primarily the territories that I serve are portions of the Midwest, as well as the whole Northeast corridor. So that looks like Virginia through Maine. That kind of highlights, I guess, at a very high level where I was as a pharmacist and where I am now. Awesome, awesome. So I guess just to back up a little bit, uh, was there a, you know, like a reason why you went into the pharmacy field versus some of the other healthcare fields? Yeah, definitely. I think a lot of pharmacists at its very core, the reason they enter health is because they like helping people, right? Like it's a very generic answer. But why pharmacy over the other fields is I think for myself personally, I was interested in the treatment side of things. So um, I am Chinese by background. And growing up, there was quite a bit of influence from Eastern medicine as well. So um, especially on my mother's side, how they approach health is very holistic. And so there's oftentimes more herbs and temperatures and um, different ways in which you would approach treatment. And so I think that was something that really intrigued me. But I think in general, I think it's because I I was interested in just learning more about like the treatment part of, of healthcare. Okay. Okay. So um, now you're in a very different role uh, as a as a pharmacist. You're actually working as an account executive, and I was curious about like what does that kind of role entail, and what are what is exactly what you're doing with uh, what you said earlier, the GIS, 
Like maybe, can you explain what that is? Yeah, definitely. So first, I'll just share what GIS is, and then I'll explain my role. So geographic information systems—that's what GIS stands for. It's helping people understand the world from a location、um, and geospatial perspective. So what? Azure provides is a tool called ArcGIS, which is a software solution. So when you take a all the data that's available out there and you and you put it into the software, what it's able to do is analyze it. But taking that geospatial component, so whatever that may be, a neighborhood, a zip code,、um, a state, a county, to whatever level of granularity you have, and put. The data that exists already out there in the world, on top of your own data in different layers. So <laughs> essentially, the idea is if you have any question related to where or location,、um, GIS helps you answer that particular question. So, for example, if you're trying to measure the size, shape, and distribution of a problem, if you're trying to figure out how places are related to each other. Like in the case of healthcare, how close are the providers to their patients? Are we actually servicing our patients in such a way that there that a patient could actually get to a clinic of this type of variety? Another thing is finding the best locations and paths. So some people, some patients, they're not able to.、Um, You know they don't have cars, and so you might have to look at public transport. That is another access to care barrier. So GIS helps you understand like what patients have, what type of transportation, and what's the best way to get them to care, or vice versa, to get providers to the patients. So that's another thing that GIS helps answer. It helps you detect and quantify patterns. So the term hotspot. Um, how you figure out where hotspots are, GIS can help you figure that out, and then making predictions. That's another thing GIS can help you do, especially when it comes to disease states and different risk factors. Like when we think of cardiovascular disease, it's more than one thing that can contribute to why someone might have a hospitalization. For any type of cardiovascular disease, so you could start looking at okay, does this person in their particular region is their food security? Do do they have、um, access to exercise equipment or a park or things that can be more protective to them?、Um, do they have access to a pharmacy nearby where they can get their blood pressure medications? Stuff like that. So you can make predictions about areas that are high risk, and you can make predictions about you know the, the potential outcomes of a particular patient, whether they have more protective factors, if they're more vulnerable or not, and things of that nature. So GIS is a very powerful tool, and、um, I kind of outline some of the applications of what someone in my particular role as an account executive, what I would do with a health organization. I would talk with them about, you know, what is your geospatial strategy? Like, these are, do you have questions about access to care? Like, how are we thinking about that? And then,、um, here are the capabilities of what GIS can provide for you to be able to solve that problem. So、um, we know that environment, zip code, location. Um, it's directly related to health outcomes. Other factors that are key influences to health outcomes are genetics, as well as behavior and lifestyle, 
And then sometimes medical care is bucketed into one of those spaces. But when you put together environment, location and lifestyle and behavior, because environment impacts lifestyle and behavior very heavily, um, it, it contributes to over 50% of what your health outcomes can be. And there's uh, studies out there that say that sometimes even your zip code can contribute more to your to your lifespan than your genetic code. So um, it's definitely something that every single health organization should be thinking about. That's really interesting. So the role of the account executive, I, I mean, like that can be held by different types of people. And I was wondering for you, like your training as a pharmacist, how did that allow you to provide a unique perspective to your role? So at Esri, that's a really good question. Um, there are several different solutions that are already built off of the shelf is what they call it. So configurable off the shelf. And that means that there are already templates um, already available in their health solutions. And one of them happens to be the opioid solution. For someone like myself and my background, so I was always very interested in pain management. Even before I entered into this role at Esri, that one in particular, I was very pleased when I was uh, tasked to be the subject better expert and this particular solution because it's kind of wild that sometimes pharmacists are not considered the first person that or you know just one of the top people that you would go to as a health expert in this particular area because we are oftentimes that last step before um, a patient enters into the real world to manage their pain by themselves, at least from a medication standpoint, um, opioids in particular, right? It's a controlled substance. And so um, that was very helpful for me when I came into the team to lend uh, my expertise on the prescription drug monitoring program. Pharmacists have access to that. What is that all about? I'm making connections with board of pharmacies. So for example, with West Virginia, it's one of the states that I cover. I work with their epidemiologist and some of their other public health folks. And they're uh, one person who used to manage the overdose mapping program. He was a coordinator for it for West Virginia. Now he's moved over to um, a different role um, with their con controlled substances monitoring program. But working with them, I was able to think about how we are collecting this PDMP data every single day. But how do we transform it into something more so that it's not just information that's being collected, but we can understand it and then act upon it? And so what the Epi did and his team members is they, they weighed what they collected against the CDC recommendations and they put out a, a trends dashboard so people in those different areas could see what are the different impacts of these controlled substances in our area. So you would see that some areas maybe had more male than female populations, younger or older, different types of controlled substances. And why does this matter? Well, the way that you would communicate with a young woman who may be using prescription medications in a way that it's not intended and, you know, if there's a ch if they're pregnant or if there's a child involved, you will communicate with them differently than you would potentially an older gentleman about, you know, what kind of care they should be considering, um, what kind of resources are available. So th that's one example um, of interventions and things that they considered. But just in general, having an understanding of a condition in relationship to a population is helpful for any program to decide 
what they're, where they should start first. Because if we had unlimited resources, then great. We could just do whatever we wanted. But the reality of our healthcare system is our, our resources are not necessarily distributed in the best, best way. And so GIS helps these organizations do that. Okay. Okay. So I think you kind of answered this, but I just want to also ask you about, um, you know, you received your master's of public health and I was wondering how that contributed to your role as well, like maybe better understanding the social determinants of health or, you know, things like that. Like, how did that kind of like also provide value in addition to your your training as a pharmacist? Yeah, honestly, I would have to say the public health degree lends itself probably more than my pharmacy degree, but my pharmacy degree is just a cherry on top, um, especially as I noted for the particular solution that I have a very great understanding of from all different lens. Just because with GIS, you can look um, at the population level data, not just the individual level data, which I think is super important. Because when we provide care in a clinic as a pharmacist or a hospital or wherever, we're thinking about, you know, the right drug um, at the right dose with the right route for the right patient at the right time. So it's very individual and in how we're trained from a clinical tertiary perspective, which the pharmacist had. It helps me very, very well. But the public health perspective, we're starting to look at things more from like a policy and epidemiology, a social behavioral lens um, at a population level. And that's where context comes into play. Like, how does that individual patient and when they're reaching their outcomes, how does that how what does their world look like when you put them in in the canvas of their community? And that's where public health, um, I think, is very useful to have that background. Um, but also additionally, because I wear a public health hat and I'm very involved with the American Public Health Association, um, currently as a co-chair as of, um, of the pharmacy section. So it's like, I still do both pharmacy and public health in that capacity. It helps work very uh, interprofessionally and collaboratively with other healthcare providers, just having that sort of experience. So GIS is very helpful in informing policy. We have a whole data repository of curated um, geospatial data that addresses different factors like equity, safety, transportation, etc. And um, it's all meant to inform policy. So if you are a politician, it doesn't matter what level, if you're at the county level, at the state level, even nationally, like we have, I think all 14 um, federal agencies use our technology. All 50 states use our technology. We've been working with them during this COVID-19 crisis, but they can see like what is happening in our local area. You know, impact is local. Um, ideas and like, I forgot that quote exactly right now, but it's like the ideas are global, but the impact is local or something like that. Like if you actually want to make a change, um, that's what the policymakers care about. Like they want to know what is happening in my particular area and um, the stats around that. So then GIS actually helps them understand different pieces of their area and then helps them form policy that way. Okay. Okay. And you know, like just, we kind of talk about this before we recorded a podcast, but um, it sounds like you're the only pharmacist trained individual in this type of role. And I was curious about, you know, how did that happen? How did you get into that role? And then maybe do you have any thoughts on the future outlook of pharmacists being more involved in GIS? Yeah, sure. So I actually came across GIS completely 
by chance. If there's a moment now to, if there are, you know, like student pharmacists listening, I know a lot of them have to go on rotation. But when I was a student pharmacist, I did a research rotation with the World Health Organization in Australia. And because they knew I had an interest in trauma, I was linked up with a level one trauma center and an orthopedic surgeon. And it was actually the orthopedic surgeon who asked me to map their trauma mortality patients. And so when I was a student pharmacist, I didn't know how to do that. <laughs> Even with my public health training, I did not know how to, you know, use GIS. And so what I ended up doing is I Googled, how do you do this? <laughs> and several different tools came up in my search. But ultimately, I ended up self-selecting Esri um, tools, Arc, something called ArcGIS Online, even though nowadays understanding the platform even better, if I were to be working in a hospital or a health system, I would be work, I would recommend something called ArcGIS Enterprise or Desktop just because it's not in the cloud environment. And there's all kinds of um, conversations about HIPAA um, in the cloud, and that could be a whole nother conversation. <laughs> but that's essentially what I ended up learning. I learned how to use ArcGIS online, and um, every single week I was giving presentations to surgeons and residents. And the goal essentially was they were trying to figure out where are patients coming from? Like, what is our patient base in this particular trauma unit? Um, and in Australia, they're very public health minded. So, it, you know, questions are being asked about, you know, what kind of interventions could we put upstream to, to, you know, prevent the, the flow of patients into the space. And then also as they leave the hospital, making sure that they're successful um, when they return back to the environment where they're going to end up doing most of their healing anyways. So that was my first foray into GIS. But then my next rotation after that was a hospital rotation. So I kind of just put GIS on the shelf. I thought like, wow, this is a super cool way of like looking at data and the world. But then I went straight back into a traditional role and I was like super focused on, you know, studying for my NAPLEX and finishing my rotations and doing some of that more traditional stuff that I just kind of put on the shelf. And I thought, you know, GIS is great for researchers, but I didn't know of any pharmacists doing that. And I wasn't necessarily encouraged, you know, um, as a pharmacist to pursue that path. So that's why when I talk to health organizations or other healthcare providers, I don't forsake them for not jumping on the GIS, you know, bandwagon or fully understanding it right away. Because even someone like myself, <laughs> I worked with it. I got to see the power of it um, for weeks after weeks when I was a student pharmacist. But then sometimes I think in healthcare, we get so into this mindset of doing things in a certain way that we we don't sometimes look at some of the obvious opportunities or solutions that are out there. And the only reason I say it's obvious is because this this thinking of GIS has been around for ages. Public health, for example, John Snow, the cholera outbreak in London. Um, that's one of like the foundational stories in public health. And that literally is GIS. That was like in 1852. <laughs> um, and like I said, there's so much evidence showing that location and environment directly impact health outcomes. And uh, pharmacists, when you were saying, how can pharmacists be more involved? We, we say we're the most accessible healthcare provider 
out there in the community, but it doesn't, in my opinion, matter as much if you're accessible, if you're not, if your skill and what you're accessible for is not being used to the maximum capacity. Like if people aren't going out to their pharmacies to get immunized, if they're not reaching out to their pharmacist when they have a question about their medical devices, like an inhaler or something like that then the value of the pharmacist kind of gets lost. And so I think there's a huge opportunity for pharmacists. And I do work with pharmacists, actually, my job as well. I love it. That's my favorite. <laughs> Just because I love to help boost up my profession as well about how they use, how they think about the information that they're collecting and championing themselves. And so I can provide a couple of examples of that um, if you're interested. But I definitely see more and more pharmacists being more thoughtful about how do I um, interact with my community? What is going on with my community? You can use GIS to do that. And how do I demonstrate my value? You can also use GIS to do that. So um, I see those as like two of the main prongs where I see pharmacists increasingly using GIS. Wow. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, And you know, kind of switching gears a little bit, but still related because it still deals with uh, patient and public health is uh, I wanted to, you know, ask you about your patient advocacy work. And can you kind of describe your involvement with your nonprofit work? Yeah, definitely. So one of the underlying pieces behind everything that I've described to you, essentially what drove me along the path that I did, you know, like if you were to ask me, like, how did I get into it? I did tell you like, this is how I figured out about JS. But the reason I pursued the opportunities that I did, the reason why I applied for the residency I did is because I don't think it, it takes anyone in healthcare very long to figure out regardless of whatever is setting they're in, that the health system doesn't work. It doesn't work for the patient. It doesn't work for the healthcare providers. It doesn't work for a lot of people who are trying to achieve health. And and what I mean by that is if you have a condition, so for example, I broke my leg last year. When I enter to the health system, I cannot guarantee what my out like that I'll have a positive outcome. That I can't guarantee that when I go through the process of things that it will be easy or even comfortable to say the least. Like I remember having to advocate for a knee scooter, having to call up insurance, having to do all these things that were super challenging. But because I had experience with patient advocacy, um, I also did a patient advocacy rotation. <laughs> so definitely like if there were students and even pharmacists already too, there's nothing that should stop a pharmacist right now for reaching out and exploring things that they're interested in. I did a rotation um, with a patient advocacy clinic at a law school when I was a student pharmacist, because that ultimately was the thing that drove me is I wanted to figure out how can we make the health system better? It like hurt me to be in settings and interfacing with patients and knowing that they could see me again. (laughs) Like in an odd way, the goal for the most part is to not see your patient because that means they're feeling well or they're doing well um, in the real world. And the only time you really want to see them is for like maintenance labs or like check-ins on how they're doing. But for the most part, like you don't want people going to health clinics if they don't have to. That means that they're healthy. That's that's kind of what drove me and the background of all of this is that patient advocacy piece. And that stems largely from my own experience as a patient. So uh, I am a severe traumatic brain injury survivor. 
And I fall into the category of the type of person with severe TBI, meaning that uh, my injury left me with a high level of disability um, that impacted me for a, a long time after I had it because I do have something called retrograde amnesia. So what that means is that, and I, it's a, it's a bit complex, but what it means is that I, when I woke up at, in the neuro ICU, that was the beginning of my life as I knew it. So it, it doesn't mean I don't know about my past. Like I obviously have a past before my brain injury, but I had a, almost like the perfect storm of brain damage where I had no feelings. Or Alex, I mean, like the inability to understand feelings. Uh, my olfactory nerves were severed, so I was non-smelling. Um, and so that combination, those two pieces are what helps people tie themselves to memories. So I didn't have the, I guess, the functional capability to like interact with my memories because it, it was just broken. Um, a very important artery in my brain severed. And so all the areas that, you know, the blood and oxygen needed to go to, those areas became damaged. And so um, it, it was definitely a very difficult healing journey. How I am and where I am today, there's no way I could have predicted this level of functioning or ability. But um, I, I was always very driven, very driven to... Uh, to figure out like, gosh, when you're a patient in this kind of position, it, I, I still interact through the nonprofit. It's called the Mind Reset. And the goal of that nonprofit is to improve well-being for all and to help people consider well-being from all, all angles. So that would mean that social well-being, emotional well-being, occupational well-being, financial well-being, um, all these different domains of well-being and thinking about them at the same time. Because oftentimes people think just either physical or mental, but I'm like, there's other pieces like your job. Like if you're, if you're a healthcare provider and you're hurting, it's going to drain you. It's going to hurt you <laughs> in the other domains. And so that's something I became really good at. Um, in my particular healing journey is that like being able to sort of understand like the bigger picture of health and focusing on the different areas of where I was hurting so I could become more resilient. And and so through the nonprofit, it's just like helping people um, wherever they're at, bringing them together in one space. It started off as a blog. People ask me, you know, like, how did you do it? How did you go from neuro ICU to doctor um, and the things that I did? Because I did have my injury uh, the summer before I got into pharmacy school. And now that I've given you guys a bit of history, the reason I still went to pharmacy school is unfortunately... There are some patient conditions where there's not very structured um, guidance on what the patient should do. And because we have a very fragmented healthcare system, um, the insurance that my, the hospital that I was in, my parents had different insurance that I was on at the time. So I was transferred out to another clinic. And now I only know this in hindsight, but the clinic was going through a merger. Um, it was going through a health merger. And so in those mergers, there's a lot of administrative turnover. There's a lot of provider turnover. And unfortunately, the, the people who end up um, getting lost the most in those mergers are the patients. So I was one of those patients. I just got like lost in the crack. I remember some person named Molly used to call me on the phone, which I thought was interesting too, right? Cause like, 
these administrators come up with these ideas about how to help patients, but patients aren't used to having that kind of help. They don't like understand that role. Like Molly would, I, I guess now in hindsight, she was a clinical court or she was a coordinator, like maybe a transitions of care coordinator. But she would call me at the most random times. Um, sometimes when I was like outside or doing, you know, I was with my family during dinner and it's just sort of like, I can't talk to the phone right now. <laughs> so just like really fascinating. Like when you're lost in the cracks, what ends up happening to you? So my outcomes could have been really poor. Um, I, I know what it's like for patients like me. A lot of them end up on the streets. A lot of them end up in poverty. A lot of them get caught in disability, um, trying to get off of social security. But the way that our system is built, it doesn't help people. Um, advance out of those kind of positions. And so that's something that just, that just, that, uh, just hurt. It hurt and still hurts me to this day. It hurts me to see other people hurting. And so that's why I, I really enjoy working pain management on my team. It's why I really enjoy working at a GIS company and helping health organizations think smarter about how to provide, um, care at a systems level. It's why I came to DC is because I wanted to see what are the leaders in our profession doing about the problems on the front line that are impacting pharmacists and patients so negatively. And I really just, I, I love doing the nonprofit work. It was an accident. It was a community. Like I said, it started as a blog, but then I started bringing more and more people into the blog. And it's because I just kept hearing stories about friends and their parents getting strokes and people kind of ending up in similar positions as myself. And I knew what made me successful. So I wanted to give those people a chance at being successful too. And I guess, sorry, this is kind of a ramble. But if there's one thing you could take away from this long ramble is you can make a difference in anything that you do in your life. Like you don't have to, you know, have a nonprofit. You don't have to have an extreme circumstance like me to, to make a difference in healthcare. You don't have to like, you know, essentially what I'm trying to say is just by being kind, by being supportive, by trying to excel in the space that you're in, whatever professional pharmacy space that may be, or if you're not a pharmacist, maybe a technician or whomever else is listening to this podcast. If you, if you have a passion for it, just, just do your best, like reach out to someone else, be curious, explore what other people are doing and try to figure out how you can make an impact, um, and the way that feels right to you. So just do it. Wow. So, you know, it's, it's not really easy to share personal stories like the one you shared. So, you know, thank you for sharing that. And, you know, it's really amazing that you've turned that injury into a fuel for you to, you know, get to where you are today and continue to be like a strong patient advocate because of your personal experience. So, um, you know, you've been able to carve your very unique path from your experiences and overcome the challenges that you shared. So I was wondering for you, and I, you already kind of touched upon this, but I do want to ask again if there's any additional uh, advice, I guess, uh, you would give to individuals, uh, you know, pharmacists or students or technicians. Um, you know, like, you know, if they have a passion to get into like a unique role, uh, are there any like, you know, steps or advice that you want to give to that? Yeah. Reach out to others. Don't be afraid to ask. Um, I think this ties into just a sentence I said two times ago and what I tell everyone. Um, be curious. Like the worst thing that can happen if you reach out to someone is that they'll say no, but then there is someone else who might say yes and they'll want to help you out. I mean, I'm definitely one of those people because I've benefited so greatly from other people helping me. Like I cannot emphasize that enough. There is no way that I would be in the position I am in today without the support of so many others. And being in the position that I came from now that we've talked about it, 
I came from a very bad place. It's very, very difficult for people in my particular position to be able to, to have the opportunities and the privileges that I do. But I was very, very lucky that in a weird way for me, pharmacy school is re- rehab for me. That's where I spent most of my time. And I was surrounded by very compassionate pharmacists. I have so much gratitude towards my profession for that reason, because I was surrounded by people. Like I said this before, a lot of pharmacists go into pharmacy because they want to, they care about people. They want to help people. They want to help patients. So I was a patient and my pharmacy peers and the people I was surrounded with, they were invested in helping me heal at the same time. And so I think that pharmacists should definitely lean into each other as a profession um, to, to lift each other up to to open these sort of paths like that's what I try to do <laughs> be the only pharmacist at a GIS company right now I try to be do a good job just to demonstrate you know like how our skill sets and being organized and detail oriented um how how that lends itself to to being useful and working as a team um with geographers or people in other business development roles or marketing or whatever else um so yeah lean don't be afraid to ask reach out into your community um anything you do you don't have to do it alone and you aren't alone there are a lot of people out there who who want to help yeah thank you for sharing that advice and you know if people wanted to reach out to you for more questions uh, what's the best way they can contact you at yeah sure um so they can either reach out to me at my nonprofit email that's jing.wu at the mindreset.com. That's probably the best way. Um, but if you have more GIS specific questions, they could email me at my work email, which is jwu, jw at esri.com. Um, so whatever, even if one of them you're not sure what to ask me, just do the jing.wu at the mindreset.com. Um, but I'd be more than happy to, to figure out a way to, you know, help you down a path to make to help you be more successful awesome awesome so i'll be putting the uh, contact info into our show notes for anyone who's interested in reaching out to be respectful of your time i'd like to thank you again for taking some time out of your busy day to be on the podcast yeah thank you tony for asking me to participate it's really fantastic that there are more and more pharmacists interested in exploring non-traditional paths um i think it's just the way of of the health healthcare (laughs) world right now so very exciting thank you so much all right if you like our show please share with your friends or you can help us out by writing a review on apple Podcasts or any of your other favorite podcasting services you can also check us out on social media on facebook twitter instagram or linkedin and you can also reach out to me at tony at pharmacyitme.com if you want to network you can check out the pharmacist slack group at pharmacistconnect.com which is p-h-a-r-m-a-c-i-s-t-s-c-o-n-n-e-c-t.com there's different topic channels including informatics and i've met some great colleagues on there and i look forward to connecting with you as well thank you again for listening and i'll see you on the next episode of pharmacy it and me and remember technology is a tool patient care is the goal